Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, 17th place finisher and local bodybuilding competition. That is a, <laughs> honestly a very optimistic designation for you right there. Wow. Well, I even scaled it back from like Mr. Olympia to like local competition and still Josh is like, no, that's not happening. So. No, no. Well, I mean, and, and I would do, I would do just as poorly. So I'm not trying to uh, seem superior to you in any way. Believe me. All right. um, and why are we talking about bodybuilding competitions? Well, that is because in this episode of our season on the films of 1977, we are talking about our documentary pick, and it is all about bodybuilding. It's pumping iron. Jason, do you want to get your Arnold Schwarzenegger impression out of the way now? What if Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jack <laughs> Nicholson were having dinner together? Guys? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up later. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, is the main draw of this documentary. This was, uh, I, I don't know if I would say it was pre-fame. He'd had some small movie roles before this was made, and he was certainly famous for being a bodybuilder. Um, I mean, he's the most famous maybe of all time in terms of that sport. And this documentary follows him as well as uh, Lou Ferrigno, who would also go on to become a, a well-known actor. Of course, not on the level of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but is is known for his uh, movie and TV roles. And it takes a look at the 1975 uh, Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe competitions, as well as the lives of some of these bodybuilders. But and Josh, I got to ask you, you said Schwarzenegger might be might be the most famous bodybuilder. Who else is in the running there, buddy? I'm sure no one. I was just hedging my bets because yeah. I think don't hedge. Much... <laughs> don't hedge on that one. All right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the most famous bodybuilder of all time. And this movie certainly demonstrates why. Uh, I mean, I think everyone knows why Arnold Schwarzenegger is famous, but this movie demonstrates why uh, as a bodybuilder, I mean, even aside from all the other things that he's done, he was so impressive. This is a movie that really brought the subculture of bodybuilding into the mainstream. It was responsible for a much wider appreciation of that than had ever existed before. And it was a small independent production. Um, it had a $1 million budget, uh, at least from what I can ascertain. Although it's hard to say with this, this is a movie where they, as happens a lot of times, I think with documentaries where they shot footage over a period of time, they shot footage and then they kind of had trouble with money and they needed to raise more money and then they shot some of it later. So what the actual budget was is hard to say. And I couldn't find any box office numbers, but this was quite successful at the box office and just in a general pop culture sense for such a small production and for a documentary to really reach a fairly wide audience uh, when it was released in 1977. Yeah, it's pretty wild if you like, dude, first of all, it spawned three sequels. How many documentaries can say they spawned three sequels? And one of them was what raw iron, the making of this. Uh, yeah, that's not really a sequel. It's like a behind the scenes. Documentary. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? But anyway, that I I would love to see that because it's so crazy that they shot it and then they ran out of money and then they held this crazy event at the Whitney Museum of Art in New York City where 
They brought the bodybuilders in to act to be compared and contrasted to like the sculptures there, like the Greek sculptures there. And that's how they raised money. And the bodybuilders contributed and Candace Bergen was like the MC of the evening. And they raised just a ton of money for this. And you got to remember, like you said, Josh, and, I, and that was one thing when I was watching this, I tried to remember like this was such a niche subculture back when this movie was made. Like now it's, you know, Schwarzenegger mainstreamed it and, you know, gyms are all over the place. But this like really led to a, a major part of that fitness boom of the 80s, I'd say. Yeah, this movie was really responsible for so much of that. And um, I actually I watched part of uh, Raw Iron because I watched this on a, a DVD that was like the 25th anniversary reissue or something like that. And it has that documentary on there. And I, I didn't watch all of it, but they definitely talked about how bodybuilding at the time was kind of seen as a joke. And they show this footage from, you know, looks like from the thirties or forties or fifties or something of these, you know, quote, strongman guys and these ridiculous jumpers and, you know, just how cartoonish and, and pathetic it was regarded as And this movie really turned around the entire reputation of the sport. Yeah. And, and, and that is, it's some something that's difficult, you know, when we get deeper into this conversation to always keep in the forefront. Like, ha, had you seen this movie and not known about this culture, it would have been uh, it probably would have heightened your enjoyment of it as opposed to like, you know, now it's just a mainstream everyday thing. Like anyone who goes to the gym and not me or you, Josh, but anyone <laughs> who goes to the gym, like, you know, they see bodybuilder types all the time. Yes, yes, they do. And it is, uh, as you say, you know, re like reading the reviews that came out at the time, these are people who were discovering it. And it's interesting uh, with the benefit of hindsight to kind of see what they said. Uh, and critics generally like this movie. Richard Eater in the New York Times said, uh, Mr. Schwarzenegger is the central figure in Pumping Iron, an interesting, rather slick and excessively long documentary about the small but intensely competitive world of bodybuilding. In the picture's first section, we see Mr. Schwarzenegger, a handsome man with a body as knotted as an especially lumpy vegetable soup, training, giving exhibitions, and talking about his profession. As they practice swelling their muscles and striking poses, all the time looking at themselves, the bodybuilders have the self-absorbed look of fashion models. In some cases, particularly with one contender, Louis Ferrigno, the mournful expression peering out of all those deltoids, triceps, and latissima dorsi calls up an image that skitters around a while before it is pinned down. It is, in fact, that of the 90-pound weakling to whom the bodybuilding ads were directed. It is not so much as if the bodybuilders had become muscular, but as if they had put on great muscle overcoats. And I really like that image, the idea that there's still these, like, weaklings underneath all of these, like, muscles that they piled on. And I do think that's something that the movie promotes as an idea, especially with the Mike Katz, the, the bodybuilder, the amateur bodybuilder who talks about how he was picked on as a child and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think this guy got the movie though. <laughs> I don't think Mr. Eater really understands bodybuilding. Uh, uh, you know, with the last name, like Eater, maybe not comparing them to vegetable soup would have been a better <laughs> choice. Um, also excessively long. It's 86 minute movie, bro. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. Maybe he thought it should have been a short film or something like that. Yeah, so I don't I don't agree with that. I do understand what, what you're saying, that a lot of the motivation for many athletes is uh, not just athletes, actors, singers, writers, anybody, you know, to succeed is uh, traumatic, uh, taunting and teasing as a child. 
<laughs> that is true. But I, I did. I mean, I, I agree with you. It's definitely not too long. It's exactly the right length. I thought it's, it's entertaining throughout. And as a feature film, it's not long at all. Um, and I might, I might have, to be fair to Mr. Eater, I might have mispronounced his name. It might be Eater. It's E-D-E-R. So uh, apologies if he's listening. Well, that really ruins the context of my sentence, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Apologies to you as well. Um, so no, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's sort of like what you're pointing out though. The idea that these people, the critics who are coming to this movie just have no idea what to expect. They don't know anything about this subculture. They're probably not familiar with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though he was sort of well-known, um, or certainly like with Lou Ferrigno. And so they're coming at it from that very distant perspective, which I think is interesting. So, but again, a lot of critics liked it a lot. Uh, Gene Siskel in the Chicago Tribune, he named it as his number nine movie of 1977. So he was a big fan. Um, but again, it was part of partly about the expectations. He said, frankly, I thought Pumping Iron was going to be a funny, if exploitive documentary that poked a sharp stick in the flat stomachs of guys who try to be big men by overdeveloping their pectorals and 87 other muscles you and I have never heard of. And that might have been a pretty good picture. But Pumping Iron is better than that. The film allows us to get to know two bodybuilders very well, and as a result, Pumping Iron is much more a story of human beings than it is a freak show. I actually ended up caring about who won the contest. And then he ends his review this way, which I thought was amusing. I know of at least one person who saw Pumping Iron in the evening, and that night went home and looked at his body in the mirror. This person was terribly depressed. And of course, that person is Gene Siskel. That's good. That's really good. And uh, I'm surprised he didn't. I mean, it, he alludes to not knowing what, what the pectoral is, but that's OK. Yeah, no, I thought that was that's a fun review. And obviously, uh, I I think it wasn't just the competition aspect of, hey, we think that it's going to come down to Schwarzenegger and Frigg. No, those were probably the two most charismatic stories to follow. So I think that that's probably why they did that right there. I think, yes, uh, Ferrigno and Schwarzenegger are sort of the most compelling people to focus on. And and Gene Siskel obviously is alluding to them when he says it allows us to get to know two bodybuilders very well. But I mean, I expected to see them like going into this movie, just knowing a little bit about it. I knew that it was about the two of them. But I think it does a good job of exploring some other personalities. And, and as I mentioned, Mike Katz, the amateur com competitor, who talks all about his childhood being taunted for wearing glasses and being taunted for being Jewish. Like it explores him pretty well. And, uh, and Franco Colombo as well, who comes from uh, Sardinia yeah. and, uh, you know, has kind of uh, raised above his circumstances. So there's more than just Schwarzenegger and Frigno who get a full sort of personality portrayal in this movie. I, I agree. And the, the Colombo stuff I found to be part of the, probably some of the most interesting stuff in there because uh, at least at this point in time, he's coming from a very traditional family and traditional old values. And, you know, he just looks so different than everyone else on Sardinia, you know, and uh, not just that, the way the way his body is, but the way he's dressed compared to the rest of his family. It's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, randomly, uh, in our in our previous episode about the Cannes Film Festival, I mentioned the film Padre Padrone. Uh, the Cannes Palme d'Or winner in 1977, which I watched and we did not discuss. But that movie uh, takes place on Sardinia. And so I really, between that and Pumping Iron, learned so much about the culture of Sardinia. <laughs> and having watched Padre Padron, I know that uh, life is very harsh 
uh, on Sardinia and uh, the expectations placed on young men are, are not to become world-class bodybuilders. So I feel like I had an appreciation for what Franco Colombo really overcame in order to, to get where he got. That's wonderful. And um, don't forget <laughs> to look on the awesomemovieyear.com website for Josh's thesis on life in Sardinia. <laughs> yes, pumping iron and Padre Padron and the depiction of Sardinian life in 1977 <laughs> cinema, a treatise by Josh Bach. <laughs> oh. You really, you really are going for the widest possible audience with that. Yes, subject. yes, I am. So, uh, not everyone loved it. Not surprisingly, Pauline Kael in the New Yorker was not a fan. Well, she was not a huge fan. She called it a competently made documentary about the grotesque comic subculture of bodybuilding. It holds the viewer's interest, but it does so by setting up the bodybuilding champions for you to react to in a certain way and then congratulating you for seeing them in that psychologically facile way. The directors, George Butler and Robert Fiore, treat Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mike Katz, Franco Columbu, and Louis Ferrigno and his parents as if they were fictional characters. And there are elements of presumption, cruelty, and condescension in this. The film never transcends its own slickness. And I think the idea of treating them as fictional characters, and, and like, like in a lot of documentaries, there are bits here that are kind of staged to, to one extent or another. I think that's not necessarily a bad thing in that they're crafting a narrative and they're, they're creating entertainment value to keep the viewer's interest. But you could argue that it's sort of like fake or superficial. No, I mean, look, when if we're going all the way back to our 2007 season, one of our favorite documentaries, King of Kong, is all about this battle between uh, two rivals. And we know that they play it up for the camera and that makes for the most interesting story. So I'm all in on uh, on creating that underdog versus uh, Goliath story here, Arnold being the Goliath and poor little puny 275 pound <laughs> being the underdog. Yeah, I mean, and as we talked about, I think in a bunch of these documentary episodes, I mean, the way these things are crafted is you have to put a narrative structure on them. And, and in watching that, that raw iron behind the scenes documentary, um, they note that they shot a hundred hours of footage for this movie. I mean, which is not uncommon for a documentary and you have to be able to, to pare that down and to craft it into a narrative. And I think they do that really well here. And certainly Schwarzenegger is playing up for the camera. I mean, Schwarzenegger is definitely uh, the Billy Mitchell of this movie in terms of his, his sort of, charismatic villainy, I guess you could say. I mean, he's really the Billy Mitchell of the uh, bodybuilding world with all the records that Billy Mitchell holds in video games and Donkey yes. Kong and everything. <laughs> yes, so. he, he certainly is. So I think that's fine. I, I don't necessarily think that that's bad. I think you can acknowledge that that's the way that the movie is constructed. And, you know, it doesn't get into like the history of bodybuilding or like the complex social issues regarding it or or dangers or anything like that, that it could have, but that's not what it's about. That's not the point. It's a great portrayal of these personalities and it, it does an excellent job of, of depicting them, I think. Yeah, and like we said, like this is at a time when, like maybe now what you're saying, that's another route to take because bodybuilding is so prevalent as a mainstream activity. But back then this was an introduction to this uh, subculture. So. I don't really think maybe people were like, oh, what is the history of it? It's like, really, let's put on the two uh, brightest stars and let them go at it and get people involved as from a rooting perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly you can root. And that's what's something that, that Gene Siskel alludes to in his review, that you get to the point where you're like, you care. And I think that's important to care about what happens. And, and that's something I think we're used to in documentaries these days, especially about different subcultures, where like the King of Kong or whatever, where it sets up the idea of the, the rivalries and whatever. And we start watching it as if we're watching a sporting event. Um, but maybe that wasn't something that people were as used to watching a documentary in 1977. I'm not sure about that, actually. Well, it's definitely not in your thesis on life in Sardinia in the 70s. No, it's not. It's not really part of that discussion. So uh, any other background things that you want to mention on this movie, Jason? A couple other things. Uh, Originally, there was um, a a way into the story was that they were going to get Bud Court, who played Harold and Harold and Maude, to be trained by Arnold Schwarzenegger to transform his body into, uh, you know, that was kind of their way into this documentary, um, which I guess would be, you know, a, a super size me way back in a different way. Right. So uh, but uh, after they started that, they all agreed maybe this isn't the best for the project. And he actually gave up his salary to put it uh, towards the movie, which is cool. And then the other thing is we said, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of known by then. Look, while they were filming this, maybe like he wasn't as known because it was 75, although this was him going for his sixth uh, straight Mr. Olympia championship. But in 1976, he won a Golden Globe, which I had no idea about, for the best acting debut in a motion picture, which is not a category anymore, but it was, I think, Bob Rafelson's Stay Hungry. So by the time this came out, he had won three, uh, six Mr. Olympias in a row, had a Golden Globe, and then this came out and was a big hit. So if you're wondering where that's, kind of trajectory started for Schwarzenegger before Conan really, uh, Conan the Barbarian launched him into the next stratosphere. That's where it is. Yeah, he was definitely a, like a rising star and and Stay Hungry, which I haven't seen, but is a movie about like bodybuilding and fitness culture, I believe. And he plays a bodybuilder in that movie. Right. Um, yeah. And we just talked about Robert Altman in our last episode, Schwarzenegger, one of his earliest roles also around this same time was in uh, The Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman film, where he plays a, like a henchman to some bad guys in like one or two scenes, which is it's very weird to see him show up in that movie. Well, yeah, I mean, he is a, a striking presence, especially back here with the, you know, I mean, he pops on the screen. Uh, he is statuesque, as he wants you to know over and over yes. again. That he is. So, Jason, had you seen this uh, previously? I had seen it. Josh, back in the day, I was on tour for stand-up comedy. That was a little thing we used to do before the pandemic started. Not really uh, relevant right now, but I was touring colleges at one point in time, and it was a weird, like, homemade DIY tour. So we were driving from, like, city to city and actually staying with the people who booked us, whether they were, like, fraternity houses or just... People like with apartments. Uh, So me as a touring comedian, I was sleeping on floors of college bros apartments and I was at Clemson University and I had some time uh, either before the show on an off day or before we were leaving. And uh, and they the the bros, they had a copy of Pumping Iron. So that was the first time I saw it at uh, Clemson University on my vaunted college tour. The Frat Boys of Comedy, the name of that tour. Yeah, I left that. that out, but you, you, you. It's great. Met, yeah. It was great. It was great branding. It was, uh. I was know. never even in a frat, so. Yeah, but it, but it worked. It worked for, uh, for the whole comedy tour. I feel like college bros are definitely I the kind of people I would expect to have this movie 
sort of on hand, just in the background or whatever. So yeah, but sense. it has, but it's worth more than just like that, that like this could easily, and it did re reach a wide audience. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it yeah. is, it is, it is beyond that. I feel like those bros maybe would have uh, looked at it unironically and maybe not quite gotten the full uh, appreciation of it. And, so. and had you seen it, Josh? No, I had never seen it. I mean, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger, especially uh, as a teenager. I mean, uh, I was a huge fan of a lot of uh, Schwarzenegger action movies, and I think I was aware of his existence as like an early Schwarzenegger appearance, but I never sought it out, maybe because it wasn't an action movie, and it was like, oh, why do I want to watch a documentary? Um, so I hadn't seen it, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, and it's a great look at at where Schwarzenegger came from. And I think if you love his action movies, this is, is sort of a key piece of his development. So um, Dave, had you seen this movie before? I hadn't. My first time was the other day during my morning workout. Well, oh, I, that's perfect. And as we know, <laughs> J Dave is, uh, was the gym member of the month at his local, <laughs> at his gym. So that's true. This... We haven't mentioned Dave's achievement at the gym in quite some time. Yeah, so, so it's, uh -huh. it's a good thing that we did that. And, you know, we, we joked about our, our potential showing in a, in a competition, but of the three of us, Dave is by far <laughs> the most likely to succeed in a, in a fitness competition compared to the two of us. Wow. If you're wondering when we hit rock bottom, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird. All right. Well, on that note, we'll come back in a moment and talk our general thoughts on pumping iron. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1977, we're talking about our documentary pick, Pumping Iron. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, Franco Colombo, Mike Katz, and a whole bunch of swole dudes. Ken That's Waller. That's the word, right? Yeah, swole. Ken Waller. Swole. Right. Yeah, I got it. You did. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Jason, having seen this with the frat boys, did you enjoy this uh, more this time? Had you enjoyed it the first time? I enjoyed it the first time. I enjoyed it less this time because I watched it alone on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> you can tell that this is definitely a movie that uh, with a nice group uh, who doesn't take themselves too seriously would be a really fun movie to watch. But not so much fun on your own, you didn't think? Uh, I didn't. I didn't like it as much, Josh. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's also that it's so odd as a first time view that it doesn't like once it's in your system, like you're, you're not caught by the surprises that you guys were probably got as a first time watchers. Yeah. I enjoyed this quite a bit and I didn't, I mean, I knew what to expect and that I knew it was a bodybuilding documentary and I knew it featured Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno, but I just found it super entertaining. And I think it really, it having seen movies like the King of Kong and Spellbound and Word Wars, and there's so many of those movies these days, those documentaries about these different subcultures, it really struck me as a precursor to those and very similar. And I felt like I could enjoy it and be entertained by it in a very similar way. So yeah, I had a lot of fun and I felt like it's, it's definitely a great sort of glimpse into the psyche of Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's become this massive, massive star. And so everything that he does now is so carefully calculated. And you can see in this movie that you may be, even though he's claimed that some of the things that he said in this movie were played up for the camera or weren't necessarily true or whatever, but 
I kind of have to wonder about that if he's trying to make excuses for the fact that he comes off as such a, a sociopathic narcissist in this movie, <laughs> and which is very entertaining to watch. So um, I enjoyed that. and But also beyond that, I think I expected to see Schwarzenegger and get some insights into him, but I, I really was fascinated by the story of Mike Katz and uh, his sort of kind of sad little story, really, in a way, about having been picked on as a kid and becoming so obsessed with being a bodybuilder later in life. And then he doesn't he doesn't end up triumphing at the at the competition. He comes in, was it fourth place, I think, something like that? Yeah, but I think he did all right. You know, he's got a nice suburban life for himself. Right. No, he does. But it, it, in a way, that was sort of part of the sadness of his story, that he has that life. He's got a job. He's a school teacher. He's got two kids who clearly love him. And yet he's so focused on the idea of succeeding in these bodybuilding competitions. Like he can't feel fulfilled without that, despite everything else that he has. And I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. OK, so let's go over that, because also you got to remember before this, he was on the Jets, right? The New York Jets, as they talk about in the movie. And uh, he says, you know, that things were going great with his football career. And like many other athletes, he got uh, severely injured and that kind of ended that. But, you know, we know this athletes, if you're if you are an athlete, like that losing that competitive edge is so tough for athletes. So they always need something to strive for. And I think that. Um, even if he had turned out to be a great football player, you know, it was, uh, as much, uh, look, obviously the accolades and the recognition are uh, important, but it's as much about like constantly working towards that as receiving that. Yeah, I guess I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an athlete shockingly, so I don't quite understand that mindset, but I think they, they capture that really well with him. Um, I mean, and they capture it with Schwarzenegger and with Ferrigno as well. I mean, and they have kind of different approaches to how they are approaching the competition and, and the training and how much they care about it and what it means to them. And I thought the movie captured that particularly well. And it's entertaining. I mean, we mentioned that that New York Times review that says it's too long, but it's not too long. It moves really well. It's got a lot of fun moments and it builds towards this final competition. So... Uh, I liked it a lot and I felt like it, it it gave me some insight into the way that bodybuilding was. One of the great things about this movie is the spectators at the bodybuilding oh, yeah. competitions. Yeah, for sure. And the way that just they're really, really into it and they capture some great like facial expressions and, and moments of of just sheer joy from these spectators, I think, that are really entertaining to watch. Yeah. Another thing that you hit on there was um, how effective the sequencing of comparing Schwarzenegger and that kind of like sunny Hollywood lifestyle where all I'm doing is going to the gym and I got all these beautiful women surrounding me and I'm living this glamorous life uh, as opposed to Lou Ferrigno who's living at home with his parents and like training in some dank little nasty neighborhood spot right where it's like his dad training him and everything I thought that was really effective and obviously you know the way they use the camera with the, you know, the the light of California versus the darkness of New York City was was uh, a good, good uh, way to emotionally support that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that's another thing that's clearly been thought out and that they're doing on purpose. It's not just something that they stumble on, but it's uh, it's definitely done really well. And I think in, in this isn't like a subtle movie, really, but there is some subtlety to the scenes with Lou Ferrigno and his family 
uh, where you can see how overbearing his father is and how much his career as a bodybuilder is sort of this like manifestation of his father's expectations. And he's this really kind of meek, quiet guy. I mean, part of the reason he's quiet is because he he has hearing issues and he he can't speak as well. And I'm sure he's self-conscious about that. But it definitely seems like he's also a quiet, sort of more introspective person, certainly than Arnold Schwarzenegger is. And it's his father who's really driving this competitive edge to him. And you can see that in the way that the father is is kind of overbearing and that, and that sort of thing. Well, yeah, Josh, one thing you mentioned is that like Schwarzenegger is this narcissist, but it's kind of funny because in our last episode where we talked about Shelley Duvall's character in Three Women as like this unaware narcissist that nobody likes, like everyone gravitates towards Arnold Schwarzenegger and loves him in this. And like, uh, I think it's, it's like endearing in an asshole-ish way. Like he owns it, right? He owns that that's who he is. And like, he's got all those crazy quotes in this movie that are like, some of them are hilarious, and here's the opportunity, Josh, to do the the steadfast, amazing impression, right? But yeah, you know, right. go for when it. When he's talking about the pump and what it feels like for him, and he's like, "It's as satisfying to me as coming is, as satisfying as having sex with a woman and coming." And so, can you believe how much I am in heaven? You know, I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of five thousand people. I get the same feeling. So, I mean, it just keeps going. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? So, you know, I'm in heaven. Like, that's a, that's a hilarious quote right there. That is. That, that moment in the movie, I think, is the one that people remember the most. The story of Schwarzenegger talking about how, how pumping up is, like, coming. And, and, and you're right. He absolutely knows. Like, he's, as he's telling that story, he's like, this is gold. He knows that they're going to use that in the movie and people are going to remember it. Like he's very aware of what he's doing. My favorite review of this on Letterboxd, somebody wrote a chilling portrait of a self-obsessed man born without empathy who is just constantly coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of those, like even when the other bodybuilders are like trying to one up him with their words, you know, like you can see how smart Arnold Schwarzenegger is on this, like where someone's like, you know, uh, after this, you have to go drink a milk or something like that. And, and he goes, milk is for babies. When you grow up, you have to drink beer. You know, like that was a good one. And when when the bodybuilders were like, yeah, you've been the king for so long, uh, but the king of the hill can only go down. And he goes, oh, stay up. You know, like <laughs> He's very, yeah, he's he's great. And I think that in, in a weird way is a contrast to, to say someone like Billy Mitchell, where you watch the King of Kong and you hate Billy Mitchell. He's, yeah. he's, you don't like him at all. But Schwarzenegger behaves in a similar way and yet you love him. He's so mm-hmm. charismatic and he's so fun. And like, I don't know who Gene Siskel was rooting for, but despite Lou Ferrigno being this underdog and being this soft-spoken guy, I totally was still rooting for Arnold. No. <laughs> the competition. No way. I was rooting mm-hmm. for Lou Ferrigno, Dave. No, Ar- Arnold all the way. Yeah, I guess, like, even even when they, like, fire back at him, like, you know, we're, like, that King of the Hill line, you know, like, and they're, like, like, they, they try to, like, always one-up him, and they never get him, because, like, they follow up with, like, the body blues, like, well, the wolf on the hill is not as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill, and Schwarzenegger just right away is, like, 
that's true. He's not as hungry, but he, when when he wants the food, it's there. <laughs> you know, like he's already he's always got something to say, and it's like. I don't know. I was rooting for Ferrigno. I like the blue collar, you know. Yeah. Story. Well, I mean, I didn't dislike Lou Ferrigno. I mean, I think he comes right, across right. as very likable too in a different way. And you can sympathize with him again for the way that his father has kind of pushed him maybe beyond where he's comfortable. But everyone loves Schwarzenegger. I love how in the tank the judges are for Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Like they they introduce him before he's he's won when he's just competing when they're supposed to be impartial and they introduce him as the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> like, come on, how how do you you even pretend to be like uh unbiased at that point? It's it's impossible. So Yeah, it, and and maybe where they were just riding that, like, hey, he's our star, he's gonna break us into the mainstream as you know, we've seen. But yeah, I don't know. I think some of Schwarzenegger's best stuff is also the stuff where like he's playing mind games with uh, Lou Ferrigno, and like like there's that breakfast where the where Ferrigno and his dad are sitting with Schwarzenegger, and like it's the morning of the competition, and and Schwarzenegger's just like, and he says it like so passive aggressively. It's amazing. He's like, can you imagine after today I'd be six time Mister Olympia? That's, I mean, you're Mister Universe, so that's great too. You know, I'm like. <laughs> really just he's just on it the whole time he is and it's great i mean he tells the story about how he how he messed with that other competitor by telling him he should scream during competitions and i mean again like even if it turns out that these stories are not true which which schwarzenegger has claimed especially the the story about how he didn't attend his father's funeral he's like oh no i didn't that's not that's not true the fact that he decided to tell those stories knowing that they weren't true in order to play them up is also an illustration of his sort of calculated insanity. And I think either way, it's great. Yeah, this Arnold Schwarzenegger, if he wasn't from 1975, would have been a perfect uh, contender for an early season of Survivor. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think uh, those interviews really do kind of remind you of reality TV in a, in a good way, in a, in a way that should, that demonstrates sort of the, the entertainment value of that kind of stuff. So yeah, Schwarzenegger is great. I mean, he dominates the movie, but as I mentioned, I think Mike Katz's story is interesting and Lou Ferrigno's story is interesting. And this doesn't just come off as like the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And I think that's an important factor in, in the movie's success, that it gives you a, a wider spectrum of personalities than just Arnold Schwarzenegger. And also like, I, I like the nuts and bolts of like, I didn't know that most of the judging was done in the day, not in front of the crowd, but the judges get this look of the competitors before, you know, before anyone else does like stuff like that is always interesting insight. So um, one thing that they totally left out was that this took place in South Africa at the height of apartheid and that there were black competitors and they had to find like a hotel that would, except black competitors and everything. I think that could have been a, uh, a worthwhile subplot. I know that kind of is uh, changes the tone a little bit, but hey, man, it happened. So. Right. Well, I think that goes back to the idea that this isn't a movie that's interested in getting into social issues or in, in really delving below the surface of that. I mean, one thing that never comes up in this movie is steroids. And you can't... I, I, I can't imagine that that nobody in this movie was taking steroids. I mean, especially you look at Mike Katz and he you, they at one point they show this picture of him uh, from high school when he was playing football and he's like going bald. And 
you're, I don't know. Just looking at that picture, I was like, there's no way that Mike Katz was not on steroids as a teenager. And I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it seems like a, a big elephant in the room that they never address in this movie. Hmm. I don't know, Josh. Are you going to tell me pro wrestling is predetermined next? I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I, it is an obvious thing, but just like if you know anything about South Africa, that idea about the black competitors is an obvious thing. But at the same time, it's something that they they conspicuously never mention. And it definitely stood out to me as being unmentioned. Mm. I think that's fair. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dave, as the gym member of the month, when mm -hmm. I know you're rooting for Schwarzenegger, but when you actually saw the pose down, did you think he should have beat Lou Ferrigno? Because Lou Ferrigno was... He looked like a massively jacked, like huge figure there. I know, you know, one of the more interesting things I found about the movie, though, like as far as something I learned, I guess, in a way, because I don't know anything about like this real bodybuilding sport. But the way that Schwarzenegger talked about uh, how calculated the growth of the muscles are and how he wouldn't you know, I don't know how true that is, but that he wouldn't grow one muscle without symmetrically growing another one on the other side. He really does seem to do that. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of impressive, like to see that, to see how much he's able to control that body growth in a way. Yeah. And it's not just about who is the biggest guy. It is about that, right. that symmetry and the look and the posing. And I think Schwarzenegger clearly has that down that like he is, I mean, they, 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 there's that scene in the very beginning where he's learning ballet and there's a number of scenes where he's showing people how to pose and he's clearly very good at that. I mean, that's something that's served him well as an actor and as a public figure is that he knows exactly how to make himself look good on camera or in front of people. And I think that's a key element to his success. Here. Yeah. And his posing is uh, the charisma again, like you're drawn to mm -hmm. him and like they all have like, Ma you know, muscular, muscular bodies, but Schwarzenegger's just got that air of a star about him. And I think that might have uh, put him over the top. Uh, to speak of another uh, athletic competition movie, yeah, I guess we could yeah, say. Let's do that with a <laughs> 1980s jacked up action star. Uh, yes. Sliced alone. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I think uh, I think you guys uh, hit on some good points and. Uh, we're going we're gonna to bro down and buff up at the gym together after this. Mm, probably not. Oh. Uh, I just want to briefly mention the theme song to this movie. It's so bad. <laughs> yes. It's, but it's awesomely bad. It's, and it's the first thing. And, and I put on this movie and I was like, what is happening with this theme song? Um, so, yeah, it's like the embodiment of cheesy 70s uh, yacht rock. But it's a custom, it's like they're singing about pumping iron in this, in this sort of smooth, easy listening way. And it's just, it's fantastic. Oh, I, I disagreed with you. I thought it was so bad. It's bad, but <laughs> you're right. Because, you know, in the past we talk about like when you are using like, um, one song over and over again to like really, you know, play up a theme and, and, um, how good that can be. I just thought like, man, this is just so, so, so bad. But this, uh, it's Michael Small who did it, you know? He's, he's got a lot of good music too, but uh, this, not, not, not one of them, Josh. Yeah, well, I mean, they only use it, it's at the beginning and then it's at the very end. It's not like it's over and over throughout the movie. And, and Michael Small also wrote the score, which is fine. There's nothing bad about the score, but 
it, it definitely was memorable. Let's. Uh, you're right. You're right. I'm glad you brought that up. It is so, memorable. I'd say. Thank you. Uh, so should we rate this movie out of five uh, pectoral muscles or something? I, don't I was going to say pumps. Five, five pumps. pumps. There yeah. you go. Jason, what is a pectoral muscle? Where is that on it's, one's body? It's uh, right here. As you, you can't you, Josh, you and Dave can see me, but it's it's uh, right here. A pec is uh, around the breast area, the chest okay. right there. So there you tear go. Your I'm, pec. As, I'm as ignorant as Gene Siskel on these. Well, I think it connects <laughs> to your arm. So it's like if you tear your pec, you're going to be in a sling the whole time and everything. Mm. So yeah, that's no good. So Dave, here's my problem. If I do it out of pumps. Do I have to come with each pump? <laughs> please, I, please don't. Go, or if no, you do, just don't tell us. Okay. <laughs> you know, I liked it better the first time. This, again, is going to get a high two and a half for me. I think you should watch it, and it's fun once. Uh, but I didn't like it as much this time. So I, I give it a high two and a half, but a, a recommended two and a half. Huh. I'm sort of surprised by that. I, I was very entertained by this movie. I'm going to give it a three and a half pumps. I, love I thought it. it was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, fun in a wholesome way to watch. So that's my rating. Dave, Dave, do you want to rate this one? Sure. I'll give it three and a half pumps as well. I, I don't think it's something I'll return to maybe ever again, but it's it was a lot of fun to watch. And as a lifelong Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, I mean, it's kind of, it's like a little gift in a way, <laughs> you know? That's true. Yeah. And I can see, Jason, I can see how maybe I, I probably also would not watch this again and maybe it would be less fun to watch the second time but i certainly enjoyed it this time yeah like i said worthwhile watch and worthwhile for us to cover indeed so we'll cover it a little more when we come back and talk about the legacy of pumping iron Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in this episode of our season on the films of 1977 we've been talking about our documentary pick pumping iron. And of course, the massive legacy of this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger, his career as a movie star, as a governor, as a fitness superstar, I guess. I mean, we could just talk about Schwarzenegger the whole time, but Jason, do you have any highlights of Schwarzenegger's career that you think are most notable here? Uh, most notable here? I should have got a uh, kindergarten cop. That's right. For a remake, <laughs> right? So, uh, yes. I was going to say, I think this movie, this is one of those interesting things where this movie did as much for the star as the star did for the industry or for the movie. It's kind of like everything got elevated at the same time, right? Like people wanted to see Schwarzenegger and he went on to great things. And because Schwarzenegger is in this and he's so charismatic, people wanted to see the movie. And because of this movie and Schwarzenegger, the fitness industry and the bodybuilding industry became so much bigger and more mainstream. Yeah, it is sort of like a, a cycle that builds on itself. And and Schwarzenegger, because, I mean, he became popular in large part because of this movie and it led to him being in Conan the Barbarian, which was his first big superstar role. Um, but I think it his popularity then fuels the popularity of this movie. You're absolutely right. And people who are Schwarzenegger fans later on throughout the 80s and 90s come back and they watch this movie to kind of see the origin story of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So uh, absolutely, that's that's a big part of the legacy of this movie. I think if Arnold Schwarzenegger hadn't become such a superstar, maybe this movie wouldn't have had such a lasting legacy. Uh, although it did do a lot for bodybuilding as a whole, as a sport, 
Um, also, Gold's Gym, which is right. the gym where, where Schwarzenegger trains in this movie, became a, a huge franchise after being featured in this movie. And and the idea, what, what I wanted to mention related to Schwarzenegger, and I don't know, Jason, if you remember this or Dave, uh, when we were kids, but the presidential physical fitness test that Arnold Schwarzenegger was like an ambassador for. And I just remember the horrors of PE class being forced to go through the presidential physical fitness test and these standards that they had set. And stupid Arnold Schwarzenegger was like talking about it in a video or something, yeah. and I hated it. Well, Josh, you're not going to like to hear this, but I was a multi-time winner of that presidential fitness test. For, uh, you, you would get like a certificate or a ribbon or whatnot, but I know it, I know it doesn't seem like it now because I'm losing to Dave in bodybuilding <laughs> competitions, but... But yeah, I used to kick kick ass of that. My mom was my mom was even better when she was a kid. She like was recognized throughout the state as one of the presidential fitness award winners and whatnot. Wow, I never won that award. I was a multi time presidential physical fitness loser. I You're think. a loser. I was. And I, exactly. I lied and said I had asthma so I could get out of stuff like that. Oh, so. that was a smart move there, Dave. You had yeah. to do the sit ups and climb the ropes, and there might have been some running and some push ups. But yeah, like. I used to rack on those things. I know you guys, uh, if you saw me now, you wouldn't believe it, but it's true guys. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I remember you back in the, in the, in the day when you, uh, you were quite an athletic, uh, an athletic type. So I believe it. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that, that definitely like brought back memories for me, the, the stupid presidential physical fitness thing. Now, did you, did either of you, did, I mentioned kindergarten cop to either of you guys. I mean, true lies, I think is the one I would go to, but what, what's your favorite Schwarzenegger movie? That's not the Terminator or T2. Oh, well, I was going to, I mean, T2 is one of my like favorite movies of all time, but True, True Lies here. is a lot of fun. I, I agree. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I kind of have a soft spot for Last Action Hero, actually, which is the giant flop that's that's been a bit rehabilitated over the years. And I remember that being actually quite entertaining and features uh, Arnold kind of making fun of his image and, uh, and it was pretty fun. So Dave is a self-proclaimed Schwarzenegger fan. What is your favorite? Yeah, I would have gone to T2, of course, but I, I'm i actually surprising myself here. I think I'm going to go with Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, you got to throw twins on that list, too. That's ripe for a remake also. Yeah, it was supposed to get a sequel or something at one point. I but think I don't know so. whatever happened to that. I mean, that would be great if they made it today with those two as 70-year-old uh, bumbling <laughs> old cockers. So. Yeah, I feel like Danny DeVito has been playing that role in uh, <laughs> Every like the Jim. He was in the Jumanji sequel doing that. So, uh, yeah, I haven't, those Schwarzenegger comedies, I was never really super into. Um, but maybe I should revisit Kindergarten Cop or the sequel to Kindergarten Cop, which was made starring Dolph Lundgren, another uh, large, large man. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, uh, Josh, speaking of large men, he, as, we, as you mentioned, Schwarzenegger's not the only one who went on to have an acting career. I mean, Lou Ferrigno, The Incredible Hulk. And kind of ubiquitous in pop culture. He's always around, it seems like, or was for a long time. And then uh, Mr. Franco Colombo made a lot of action movies, was in some Schwarzenegger movies. And then have you heard of this movie, Beretta's Island? It's from like 1993. And I guess it's got like a cult following. That's supposed to be one of his more well-regarded films. That's a Franco Colombo movie? Yeah. I had not heard of that. No. I mean, I did notice that I'd see, it seems like Schwarzenegger kind of... Uh, helped him out by getting him little background roles in a bunch of of Schwarzenegger's movies, but uh, I had not seen 
that other film. I can only hope it's about uh, life in Sardinia because then I would. <laughs> you could add to your fascinated thesis. Fascinated by it. Well, it might be. Yeah, he died last year. He had a heart attack while he was swimming, and before they could get him to the uh, hospital, I think he had died. But yeah, he did. He did well. He had a lot of. Uh, he had a successful life, especially. You know, like like you said, the movie portrays it as like a little little farm boy from traditional family in Sardinia. How and look at all the things he did. So yeah, yeah, he definitely had a huge success, if not on the level of Schwarzenegger uh, or Lou Ferrigno. Of course, he's known, and Lou Ferrigno has not only did he play the Hulk in that that TV series that everyone's familiar with, but he's gone on to like voice the Hulk. The, anytime the Hulk like yells or roars in a movie all the way even through the the modern Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. That's Lou Ferrigno doing that voice. So he's really parlayed that into something over the course of many, many, many years. Yeah, and he's, you know, he maybe he doesn't love the limelight anymore, which is cool, like, but he's really made a good life for himself based on uh, his hulking physique. That, that he has indeed. And he's always, I remember going to like comic book conventions uh, here in Vegas, I think, and he'll be, you know, he's always a, a featured guest at things like that and get his autograph and take a photo with him and stuff like that. So he seems like a good guy. Um, I wrote down this quote and I think it was Lou Ferrigno's dad, Matty Ferrigno, who said it to him when he was, if I'm not, but this was the quote I wrote down. And imagine your dad saying this to you as he oiled you up. Take a look at this hunk of man. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's definitely a weird obsession with Lou's uh, physique on the part of the dad in this movie. Well, he wants little... him to win, you know. So yeah, he's a, he's a yeah. sport. He's a sports dad of the '70s, you know, not of the yes. modern day. Yeah, it's a little off. But I wanted to mention too the 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 sort of modern thing that we know in pop culture, maybe more than bodybuilding competitions, is the world's strongest man competition, which started in 1977, and and in part based on kind of momentum, the momentum of this movie. And Franco Colombo was one of the earliest competitors in that. And now I feel like if we, if we see, you were saying, oh, who is the most famous bodybuilder? And I don't know who's a famous bodybuilder now, but people in the world's strongest man competition are sometimes famous. Uh, someone like Magnus Vermagnuson. My favorite of all the world's strongest men. Yes. But of course the other, the actor, and I, I can't pronounce his name, but the actor who played the mountain, the mountain on yeah, Game of Thrones won, for right? many years, he's a, he's a big world's strongest man com competitor as well. I think he won or he's the reigning champion, the guy, the mountain, but uh, Lou Ferrigno also competed. And I think he came in fourth that first year. So that's pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely like a become a pop culture thing. Jason once wrote a screenplay called the world's strongest nerd. That's true. It was kind of a good concept. I thought like, you know, maybe not for 2020, but like definitely for late nineties, early two thousands about a, you know, John heater type who has fight or flight syndrome and like, it gives him super strength and he competes to in the world's strongest uh, man competition. If picture McLovin versus The Rock in the world's strongest man competition. You know, you build that charismatic bad guy, and yeah. So that, I like that screenplay. That's a great pitch. Somebody should greenlight that movie. Yeah. So <laughs> any of you executives who are listening out there, give me a holler, and I'll uh, send the script over to you. So. There you go. Uh, you mentioned briefly the the sort of sequels and spinoffs. There was a Pumping Iron 2, The Women, in 1985, focused on female bodybuilders. And then many, many years later, a director named Vlad Yudin kind of got the brand. I think one of the minor producers of this movie must have owned the rights to it or something and uh, was able to make these movies about modern, current-day bodybuilders in the last, like, five to ten years called Generation Iron 
Uh, there's three of those. And I've never seen those, but um, none of those, I think, capture the the pop culture phenomenon that is this movie. Yeah, Raw Iron would be the one of the three that I'd like to watch the most. But. Yeah, that's a the behind-the-scenes film that was made for the 25th anniversary. George Butler, the co-director here, has also continued his career as a documentary filmmaker. He directed Pumping Iron 2, The Women. It also notably directed uh, Going Upriver, the documentary about John Kerry's experiences in Vietnam that was kind of a political sort of... I don't know, phenomenon or something like that during that election. Uh, he's made movies for IMAX, including a Mars movie called Roving Mars. So, you know, working documentary filmmaker, yeah. went on to interesting other subjects. Some IMAX stuff, like you said, and I think he's doing uh, Tigers and National Geographic style pictures. So uh, he's working, man. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, nature documentaries. And I mean, in a way, this movie maybe treats these people like uh, <laughs> like it's a nature documentary. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't think I don't think this uh, I mean, from a voyeuristic standpoint, maybe, but I don't think it treats any of the subjects unfairly. I do agree that like going back and shooting some of those uh, sequences afterwards, like you had mentioned Ken Waller. There's this whole thing where like Ken Waller and my cats are actually friends in real life. But Ken Waller like took his shirt as a joke and then they went back and shot the sequence afterwards and. It's Ken Waller with some other bodybuilders like talking a little trash about my cats. And he's like, yeah, at this competition, I'm going to steal his shirt to psych him out. And like, so they juxtapose something that's not real. And Ken Waller always says he regretted doing that because fans would boo him at competitions for many years afterwards. So. <laughs> yeah, that is the legacy of this movie is for, for poor Ken Waller is being booed. So, I mean, I think that's that's, again, the result of these movies where they build out these reality TV style personalities is that people are then perceived that way after the movie. I'm sure the legacy of the King of Kong, we probably talked about this for Billy Mitchell, is being booed and being hated by people. And, you know, for some people that fuels them. And for some people, they just, you know, they they can't, it, it kind of crushes them. So yeah, Poor Johnny, what was his name? That dude on Survivor, Johnny Fairplay or whatever. So Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a good memory there of yeah. Survivor. It feels um, like this, that, this guy, if he could jack jacked would have been a, a good competitor for this so yes so uh the last legacy thing that i wanted to mention was uh hans and franz from saturday <laughs> nice. night live <laughs> which oh, yeah. i mean is definitely a schwarzenegger parody but watching this movie i was like oh hans and franz is a parody of pumping iron i'm now finally realizing this yeah there you go they're here to pump clap your hands you up exactly so <laughs> any other legacies jason you want to mention here well i mean uh there was an ill-fated uh, attempt by Vince McMahon to start a bodybuilding federation in the early 90s. So, uh, you know, he's, he, he doesn't really uh, succeed when he doesn't do the wrestling, as it seems. But uh, so that's all I got, Josh. Who were the bodybuilders involved in that? Anybody from this movie? Uh, not that I remember. The big thing was that pro wrestler Lex Luger was moving over to become a bodybuilder. And uh, if you want to talk about a dude who was gassed up, that that's a prime example. <laughs> yeah. To look at, so. Oh, yeah. All right, then. Dave, any thoughts on this legacy here? Nothing that you guys didn't cover. I was just going to mention, uh, I and the eventual Arnold Schwarzenegger story, movie biopic I, I think that this section of the film is going to be pretty fun who's gonna who's gonna play him dave god who knows uh yeah there was there was some guy there was like a tv movie i think about him or related to him or something and there's some guy who who made a career out of playing schwarzenegger i think he played his double 
in the yeah he was on son of the beach i forget his name there uh, you go that guy and i think he was yeah. also in in terminator salvation when schwarzenegger couldn't appear in it because he was the governor of california and so he made a career out of being like the replacement schwarzenegger so good maybe for him in it. good for him so yeah so we've got uh early survivor participants uh Short-lived FX uh, sitcoms referenced here. We got a lot going on this episode. Really, a wide-ranging uh, panoply <laughs> the, of things yeah. related to pumping iron. The uh, <laughs> failed Vince McMahon uh, bodybuilding brand. So you, Jumanji, you, yeah, Jumanji, yeah, very important. Jumanji, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of, uh, lot of influence all over the place. This film, absolutely. So that's pumping iron, and that's this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can follow us on social media. Yeah, we would like that. I'm Jason Harris Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. Go for Jason.com. Not placing in any website competitions. We're at uh, AwesomeMovieYear.com. Don't forget that about section, everybody. Also has the feed of these episodes. Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. You can find me at JoshBellHatesEverything.com. Also not winning any competitions. Uh, Josh Bell hates everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And I just wanted to say that uh, if you go and sign up for our Patreon, where there's some great bonus content from Awesome Movie or Piecing It Together, a bunch of my other projects as well, uh, Josh, Jason, and I will film ourselves doing push-ups for you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'll do, I'm not going to do push-ups, but I'll do a pose down against you too, because while yeah. I might not be you in the bodybuilding competition, I think I do have the stage presence to take you on in some pose downs. So. I think we need to be at like maybe a hundred patrons <laughs> before we do that. So let's set that as our goal. But we can manage that. In the meantime, don't forget spacejam.com. I don't know why That's you right. keep mentioning that every single episode. Uh, Space Jam, though, one of the bonus episodes you can get on Patreon. So please, please sign up for that. Jason, what's coming up in our next episode? Josh, I'm going to let you tell us uh, and everybody what's coming up in the next episode because it's your pick, my man. It is my pick. It is Robert Benton's film, The Late Show. It's a detective comedy drama parody thing starring Art Carney and Lily Tomlin. It's a weird uh, kind of offbeat pick, but I'm interested to revisit it and I hope that uh, we'll all enjoy it. So tune in next time for The Late Show. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas. Awesome movie, yeah. Listen to awesome movie, yeah. It's me. It's me, Arnold Schwarzenegger.